Chapter Two of Series Runaway and Other Essays. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eva Davis. Series Runaway and Other Essays by Alice Maynell. A Vanquished Man. Hayden died by his own act in 1846, and it was not in the event until eighteen fifty three that his journal was edited not by elizabeth barrett browning as he wished but by tom taylor turning over these familiar and famous volumes often read i wonder once more how any editor was bold to take upon himself the mystery of things in the case of hayden and to assign to that venial moral fault or this the ill fortune and defeat that beset him with hardly a pause for the renewal of the resistance of his admirable courage that he made a mere intellectual mistake gave thanks with a lowly and lofty heart for a genius denied him that he prepared himself to answer to heaven and earth for the gift he had not to suffer its reproach to bear its burden and that he looked for its reward is all his history there was no fault of the intellect in his apprehension of the thing he thought to stand possessed of he conceived it aright and he was just in his rebuke of a world so dull and trivial before the art for which he died he esteemed it aright except when he deemed it his his editor thinking himself to be summoned to justify the chastisement the destruction the whole retribution of such a career looks here and there for the sins of hayden the search is rewarded with the discovery of faults such as every man and woman entrusts to the common generosity the general consciousness it is a pity to see any man conning such offences by heart and setting them clear in an editorial judgment because he thinks himself to hold a trust by virtue of his biographical office to explain the sufferings and the failure of a conquered man what in the end are the sins which are to lead the reader sad but satisfied to conclude with see the result of or so it must ever be with him who yields to or whatever else may be the manner of ratifying the sentence on the condemned and dead hayden we hear omitted to ask advice or if he asked it did not shape his course thereby unless it pleased him hayden was self-willed he had a wild vanity and he hoped he could persuade all the powers that include the powers of man to prosper the work of which he himself was sure he did not wait upon the judgment of the world but thought to compel it should he then have waited upon the judgment of such a world he was foremost in the task of instructing nay of compelling it when there was a question of the value of the elgin marbles and when the possession which was the preservation of these was at stake there he was not wrong his judgment that dealt him in his own cause the first the fatal the final injury the initial subtle blow that sent him on his career so wronged so cleft through and through that the mere course and action of life must ruin him this judgment in art directed him in the decision of the most momentous of all public questions hayden admired wrote protested declaimed 
and fought and in great part it seems we owe our perpetual instruction by those judges of the arts which are the fragments of the elgin sculptures to the fact that hayden trusted himself with the trust that worked his own destruction in the presence especially of those seated figures commonly called the fates we habitually bring our arts for sentence he lent an effectual hand to the setting up of that tribunal of headless stones the thing we should lament is rather that the world which refused neglected forgot him and by chance medley was right was right had no possible authority for anything that it did against him and that he might have sent it to school for all his defect of genius moreover that he was mortally wounded in the last of his forty years of battle by this ironic wound among the bad painters chosen to adorn the houses of parliament with fresco he was not one this affront he took at the hands of men who had no real distinctions in their gift he might well have had by mere chance some great companion with whom to share that rejection the unfortunate man had no such fortuitous fellowship at hand how strange the solitude of the bad painter outcast by the worst and capable of making common cause indomitably with the good had there been any such to take heart from his high courage there was none there were arranged the unjust judges with their blunders all in good order and their ignorance new dressed and there was no artist to destroy except only this one somewhat better than their favoured their appointed painters in fresco one uncompanioned and a man besides through whose heart the public reproach was able to cut keenly is this sensibility to be made a reproach to hayden it has always seemed to me that he was not without greatness yet he was always without dignity in those most cruel passages of his life such as that of his defeat toward the close of his war by the show of a dwarf to which all london thronged led by royal example while the exhibition of his picture was deserted he was not betrayed by anger at this end of hopes and labours in which all that a man lives for had been pledged nay he succeeded in bearing what a more inward man would have taken more hardly he was able to say in his loud voice in reproach to the world what another would have barred within one of his great pictures was in a cellar another in an attic another at the pawnbroker's another in a grocer's shop another unfinished in his studio the bills for frames and colours and the rent were unpaid some solace he even found in stating a few of these facts in french to a french official or a diplomatic visitor to london interested in the condition of the arts well who shall live without support a man finds it where he can after these offences of self-will and vanity tom taylor finds us some other little thing i think it is inaccuracy poor hayden says in one phrase that he paid all his friends on such a day and in another soon following that the money given or lent to him had been insufficient to pay them completely and assuredly there are many revisions afterthoughts or other accidents to account for such a slip his editor says the discrepancy is characteristic but i protest i cannot find another like it among these melancholy pages 
if something graver could be but sifted out from all these journals and letters of frank confession by the explainer here then is the last and least hayden was servile in his address to men of rank but his servility seems to be very much in the fashion of his day nothing grosser and the men who set the fashion had not to shape their style to hayden's perpetual purpose which was to ask for commissions or for money not the forsaken man only but also the fallen city evokes this exercise of historical morality until a man in flourishing london is not afraid to assign the causes of the decay of venice and there is not a watering-place upon our coasts but is securely aware of merited misfortune on the adriatic hayden was grateful and he helped men in trouble he had pupils and never a shilling in pay for teaching them he painted a good thing the head of his lazarus he had no fault of theory what fault of theory can a man commit who stands as he did by nature and the greeks in theory he soon outgrew the italians then most admired he had an honest mind but nothing was able to gain for him the pardon that is never to be gained the impossible pardon pardon for that first and last mistake the mistake as to his own powers if to pardon means to dispense from consequence how should this be pardoned art would cease to be itself by such an amnesty End of chapter 2